coming at you from the EBITDA Growth System Studios, looking out at the beautiful Rocky Mountains. My name is Dave Gapkiewicz, and I'm with Mike Watkins, and we want to welcome you to the Making Business Profitable podcast. This podcast is brought to you by EBITDA Growth Systems, where we guarantee to double the value of your company within three years or give you your money back. Good day, Dave. Good day, Mike. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. How are you? All right. Why are you so tickled? You know what? At, uh, I have a good friend, Marnie Erbach. She's, uh, she joined us today in the podcast. We're going to talk about HR pitfalls for small businesses. And uh, it's it's great to see an old friend. Yes, yes. And uh, it's great to have some expertise on the on the show that's not just super duper Mike Watkins. Yeah, well, you're absolutely giddy about having her here, and so am I. Um, I know Marnie from about a year ago, and just the tremendous work that she did at the client that uh, oh, yeah. that we were supporting. So Absolutely. Welcome aboard, Marnie. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Good to see you guys again. Well, thanks. How are you doing today, Marnie? I'm doing great. Happy to talk about your uh, topic today on the podcast. Yes, our topic is going to be HR pitfalls for a small to medium-sized business. That's right. That's right. So as we go into it, let's just let's just jump right in as we go and talk about this. Um, Marnie, what's like one of the number one things that you see in small business that, uh, that would really uh, reap some really good fruit in, as far as how they treat employees or how they get employees? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is really in any business, in any type of business, is um, establishing a solid um, hiring practice. And this starts from the very beginning with the recruitment um, process that needs to be set up if it already hasn't been established. Yeah, when you say recruitment process, I'm a small and medium-sized company, and my recruitment process is, I was talking to a guy at the coffee shop this morning and he said that he could do what I needed him to do. I mean, it typically looks like that, or my cousin Joe, you know? So right. how, do you, how, do you, how do you evolve from that? Yeah, how do you wade through that to know that you're gonna do the right thing for the business and for the coworkers? Well, I think if you don't have an HR professional on staff, you do need to determine who within your um, company is going to be responsible for talking with candidates. And it's going to be somebody who can um, accurately portray the company, talk about um, the personality of the company, know what questions to ask, and actually set up um, like a true process and a true um, you know, list of standards that um, will be used from candidate to candidate. How important is the job description in all of this? Well, actually, that is super important. Um, not only the job description, but I think um, talking with other uh, professionals in the organization um, will help establish sort of um, a true picture of the company. So when you bring a candidate in and, and you meet with them for the first time, not only do you want to give them a job description that they can read um, in their spare time, um, and go through your list of questions, but you also need to involve other um, key players um, at the company who may be also involved in making the decision-making um, for a position. Yeah, because I can imagine that if you have you know, two or three key players in the company, if you don't have that job description, they probably all have a different idea of what the job description will be for that person. And so Dave and I, in our training, we talk about teams, 
high-performing teams. You have storm, uh, forming, storming, moaning, and performing. And the storming happens oftentimes because there's not a clear job description for that person coming on board. And so everyone, it's it's a fight for for control and fight for, uh, you know, hey, that's my thing, that's not your thing. And or, or the job could be, hey, you're going to run a machine over here and you're going to make this part. And on your first day, you give them a mop and say, here you go. I, but what about my job description? Yeah, but this is what we need you to do today. Sure. You know, sure. it isn't the communication from the hiring process to what they actually plug in and wind up doing. You got to make sure that's bridged as well as where you're acting on these job descriptions. Yeah. Well, how big of it? Uh, how big of a deal is it that uh, you bring these people on board properly? Oh, it's a super big deal. What you want to make sure is that you do have that cultural fit. Um, sometimes when you bring somebody in and you start going through your interview questions and you're thinking this person may not be a great fit, um, you still need to go through the process from start to finish um, just as you would any other candidate. Um, I, I think it is important that you get the opinions of others in the interview process to make sure that your, maybe your gut feel was, was right. Um, on the other hand, um, having that person walk away from the interview process feeling good and feeling like they were given a fair opportunity to interview, they're going to walk away and they're going to tell their friends about what it was like to interview at that company, even if they weren't a great fit. Now, have you seen that spread like wildfire where you have somebody that's, that went through a great process and they go talk to somebody and, they, mm -hmm. and you wind up hiring them too? Yep, absolutely. That are you done with Are you done with your coffee, Mike? I don't know what that was. It's <laughs> thank you, sir. May I have another? Um, let's let's move to onboarding. I mean, how about uh, onboarding is something that uh, Mike and I talk a lot about in uh, in our clients of small and medium sized businesses, and we see a huge gap in onboarding and making sure people people onboard properly. But what do you, what do you what's your take on the whole onboarding thing, Marnie? My take is that is such an easy piece to just let fall apart. Um, you think you have the most awesome person that you just hired and they're going to start, say, next week. Well, that whole week you need to be planning out sort of what their, um, what their onboarding process is going to look like um, so that you don't lose them. So when you bring somebody in on their first day of work, make sure that you actually have a schedule um, for training. Um, make sure that they meet with their team members. Make sure that they, maybe you have a welcome lunch. Um, make sure that they have a mentor. So an onboarding process can be different within each company, but I think you need to establish what that looks like um, right from the start so that when somebody starts uh, work, they start off on the right foot. And I can't, I can't agree with you more. A lot of people want to hire employees without a plan. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a plan. And you really need to, I mean, Mike and I, we talk about investing in your employees, investing in new employees and, and training. So where they, they may know how to do it, but they don't know how you want it done. Yeah, Marnie, I, I was reading a statistic around millennials that say that if they are not onboarded properly on Monday, they're looking for a new job on Friday. Right. I mean, it's a first impression, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And um, being prepared for that. Um, communicating and make sure that they understand um, what the expectations are. 
um, communicating the, the company's mission, vision, and values so they know what's important. Sure, sure. Um, and, and again, sort of starting out that building of uh, you know, working with your teammates and building relationships I think is super key as well. Oh, it makes so much sense because with the millennial, you're not going to get a 30-year employee. It just doesn't happen that way anymore. The most you can hope for is a two or three-year tour of duty. And so if it's going to be two or three years, you want them to hit the road, uh, hit the ground running. And, right. and onboarding is the key piece of that. And in part of onboarding, the initial set of tasks that that employee does for the company is really forming their idea of the culture of the business. That makes the culture of the business. The first few tasks that you have them do and how you do it and the process you do it. Um, and if you win big, how you celebrate the wins. And if you fall short, how you address that to prop the employee up to make sure that that's, that's right. So onboarding and how that process lays out in the first week or the first two or three weeks is so critical to maintaining good culture. But before we talk about culture, because we could talk about that all day, um, what about like managing the risk on, on the human resource side of the business money? Uh, well, managing risk is um, just as important as the other pieces that we've talked about at this point. Um, but managing risk really um, encompasses a number of different topics, and you could look at it as risk um, that you may that you may see with employee conflicts on the job, poor performance, safety issues, um, disciplinary situations. So risk can really cover a number of different areas. And uh, again, um, in, in my experience and perspective, once one of those pieces is identified, don't waste any time. Just jump right on it and make sure that you work your way through it. In terms of, in terms of employee, employee performance? Correct, yes, yeah. yes. And document it. I mean, it's, if, if you do anything, if you see something, say something, address something, if you see something going sideways, if your culture is to not deal with issues, that's a great way to to really foster that culture, that you don't ever deal with issues. But uh, we were talking before before the podcast, Marty, that if you have a high performer in your business, you really want a whole bunch of high performers. And a quick way to disengage a high performer is to never address a substandard performer, right? Yeah, yeah. Correct. And, and you touched on it already, but um, and documenting that, you must, must, must document everything when it comes to... Uh, performance issues. If if it's not documented, it's like it's never happened. And um, if you're if you're managing to a performance improvement program, for example, or plan, um, documenting the steps that that employee needs to take to actually make the improvements. And sometimes it's just a matter of awareness where the employee didn't understand that they were doing something um, incorrect or wrong, or that it was um, you know not part of their job. And so identifying those pieces and documenting it on an actual you know, document or sheet of paper um, is really the start of that. And that way you can sometimes manage that employee out of the situation and, and everything works great. On the other hand, it, if, it's, if it's not improving and you have documented everything, you can move towards more of a, uh, a, an additional disciplinary action or, or possibly termination but you've got the backup and you've got the support and documentation needed to make that decision. And the employee deserves the communication. I mean, really, a lot of times you don't really know. That's why I don't love reviews once a year. I mean, because for an employee to wait a year to figure out how they're really doing, 
uh, whether it's good or it's not good, um, the communication, the documentation forces that communication to where the employee knows, okay, this is the score for me. And the business really takes the time to invest in their employee and say, this is the score for you. This is where you're at. And where do you want to be in your life? And how do we get there? And, and you document that plan. I mean, a lot of people just don't, they don't want to communicate to the business because all they look at is a, is a product or an output for the business, but they're not really investing and in diving into the employee to make them better every day. And that part of forcing documentation, I mean, that's uh, communication that the employee deserves, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the role of the manager. And we, uh, we always talk about that um, 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 Gallup, Gallup organization research that says 14% of managers 14% of managers are naturally good at this stuff. They just, mm-hmm. they're empath, em, empath, empathic and they understand the need to, to try to address the needs of the employee before, you know, letting them languish or, or firing them. Right. Well, and, and let me back up for a minute too, because we just discussed the onboarding process. Um, along with that should be a schedule where um, 30, 60, 90 days out, you're actually sitting down and formally touching base with a new employee to make sure that they are on track and setting them up for success and not letting things fall by the wayside, as Dave mentioned, in touching base uh, once a year sure, for performance sure. review. And that fosters your culture. So, I mean, your managers, believe it or not, your managers drive that culture, what they're going to do to support uh, the people in, in the business, right? So, I mean, Marnie, how important is culture to a business? Is it just X's and O's and making dollars or, or where does culture fall in here? You know, I, I think if you have a great culture, you're going to have employees that are motivated and you're going to see the performance on the, on the business side of things. If you have a great culture, you're going to have happy people who are going to work harder. Yeah, John Carter said, culture eats strategy for lunch. And it's, it's true. I mean, it's all about the culture. I mean, you, if you have a bad culture, you can't execute the strategy or you can't, exe- you can't maximize the strategy. And a quick way to destroy culture is to ruin communication or eliminate communication or put a whole bunch of bad managers in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agree. And people will leave bad managers. They only bad companies, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and today, where you can't find another employee, I mean, it's easier to get a customer than it is to get an employee. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to have your, your managers running them away. So, Marnie, from an HR perspective, how do you grow good culture? How do you grow it and then keep it? Well, I think you need to identify what about your culture is that, what about it do you and others in the company enjoy and want to keep? Like, you need to you need to understand your culture. Sometimes people just don't take a look at it and think, well, I don't know what my culture is. Sweet cow. Sweet cow's a culture. Right. Sweet cow ice cream is a culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, the culture is kind of the personality of the company, right? So you look at it and you're like, these are the things that we do that make us special. That's right. So you need to, you need to take a step back and identify what about your company makes you special and what makes you different from other companies and promote that. Yeah, I think what a lot of business owners don't understand is you you got a culture. Yeah, you have a culture. Yeah, and is it the one you wanted or not is Mm -hmm. is the question. But if you're not sure about your culture, it's best to ask the people that have been there the longest. Sure, they understand the culture. Oh, they'll tell you. They'll tell you what kind of culture you have. Yeah, yeah. And and usually, if it's a problem, they're they're wanting to scream it from the mountaintop. So I mean, you're going to hear it. Right, And, and if you do hear it, and it's not what you wanted to hear. 
focus on how you're going to take care of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So Marnie, we met probably, what, three, four years ago, but uh, how long have you been in HR? <laughs> now you're going to age me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking to age I'm you. Not. I just want to know how many, how many, what, six say, months before you met her. Yeah, yeah that's so, right, right. Yeah. Um, about 25 years. 25 really years. My, yeah, my true. So you started around 13, year, 13 years right. old. You started. Nice, nice. I like it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we talk to uh, our clients and we tell them that machines don't make parts, people make parts. Right. But these small and medium sized businesses, you know, HR is just an afterthought. Yeah. And it's crazy because uh, they're paying all this money out on a weekly, monthly, annual basis for. FTEs, full-time equivalents, individuals right. to do the work, but they don't uh, tend to the caring and feeding of those individuals. Right. And so they're just leaving money on the table, two to 30, 40% perhaps. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's it's staggering. If you, the, the return on the investment is huge. Right. And I, I, I think you kind of hit it on the head in that a, a lot of the smaller companies just feel like they don't really need somebody in that role. But um, I think as, as time moves on and the company starts to grow, um, it is a true investment and a, and a true strategy for your employees to put into place um, to identify a lot of the different things that could uh, benefit not only the company strategically and growth-wise, but for the employee personally sure, um, sure. and career-wise. So, it, uh, of course, I would say that I'm in HR. I've been there for 25 years, and I do think it's important. And, and in, the, in a small business, is running a small business when you first start out, you just don't think HR is important. Mm -hmm. You think, oh, me and five of these people, we're, we're buds. We're going to get this done. Mm -hmm. But what you, what, and you, what you don't know is those people come to work to get paid, to support a family, and to do their thing. And, and they typically don't hang out with the owner and, hey, we're just grabbing beers or whatever with the owner every day. So it's, it's not a bud system. You have employees and you treat them as such and you can treat them like family you can have a family culture but it's business and they're in the business of being successful and supporting their supporting their family and laying out a career path for themselves so they can become so they can enrich their life and the best way to make sure your employees are enriching their life is to make sure you hire the right people so you create a great environment for your people you, and when they get there, you have good, solid onboarding practices so they know what's expected of them. And then when they win, you celebrate it so you have some fun. And as an owner, managing the risk to where you aren't going to have a lawyer knocking on your front door, you know, and you protect all this to really provide a great culture. And, and guys, if you want a business that's really going to leapfrog other businesses and set up to where you can scale and grow, Mike, I mean, you got to have to protect these things. And HR is so important. And the more I spend time in business, the more I realize how important HR is. Yes, absolutely. Marnie, thank you so much for coming down this morning and sharing with us. And uh, we hope to have you back soon because this is such an important topic. Well, we could talk about it for a long time. So happy, happy to be here. Thanks. Wonderful. Thanks again, Marnie. You're right on, Dave. Right on, Mike. systems do what we do to impact lives through improving business performance. To get access to our content or engage us in any way, you can reach our contact page or any of our information on our website 
at www.ebitagrowthsystems.com.